0: welcome everyone to politics express the Postwriters politics podcast i'm your host the Postwriters politics editor lars emerson wouldn't it be inconvenient if my name started with a p i think so this <laughs> week we're here to check back in on our senate ratings and talk about the state of the race for the senate now that all of our ratings are up Each of the 35 Senate races have been rated, and our projection is in. With me today is my partner in Senate ratings, our editor-in-chief, Mike Levito. Hi, Mike. Hi, Lars. Hi. <laughs> Let's dive right in, Mike. We've we've had a good couple of months <laughs> rating some races. Let's talk about the state of the race. So our full map is up. For anyone who doesn't know where to find it, it's at thepostwriter.com slash 2022-senate-election. Every single rating is out. There are complimentary articles and analysis. Uh, We hope that we've built out a story that presents a unified theory of the 2022 midterms, uh, at least on the Senate side. So let's start big picture here. Our projection implies a 50-50 split of the Senate. No change in the current Senate. But that assumes that Democrats probably lose an incumbent in a state. We'll talk about which state it could be. uh, And they probably will win an open seat in another state. And we'll talk about which state that will probably be. So an interesting point of comparison, just to start us off, is how conservative our rating is right now. The Economist model gives Democrats uh, 51 seats on average, and 538's Deluxe model uh, does the same. Though I believe last time I checked their, um, their like light model, it was up to 52 Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why do you think we're being a little more bearish for Democrats than they are? Well,
1: because we were young in 2016 we've been once bitten twice shy but no, what I think it actually is is that with five thirty eight and a lot of these other places, you know, they have models where they have to take in and average in I do not Not every poll obviously it's a very bad poll, they can throw it out but, they, you know, they, they average in these polls. The polls, I think, play probably a larger part in their ratings than they do for ours mm-hmm. We use them, I think, more as kind of like a, uh, a guidepost than as gospel, whereas they, you know, if there's a poll that comes out that it's plus 20 John Fetterman, even though I don't think anybody actually thinks John Fetterman's going to win by that much, he could certainly win the seat, like, then they have to put down their average, and it's going to skew their average. Same thing with Tim Ryan, who's been overperforming in some polls, arguably. Um, same thing with probably Mandela Barnes as well. We'll unpack sort of the the these races individually as we go on, but I just think there's been a lot of polling that has shown probably over optimistic numbers for democrats and because they're used in these places averages it ends up skewing their projections a little bit
0: yes i also i have a lot of criticism of the economist model in particular and how they handled the 2020 election just in general Um, they were (laughs) very bullish uh, just based on polls and i think there was a lack of on the ground Experience isn't the right word because they are a giant international outlet. But there was some, like, dare I say, there was like a bubbling of their reporters where they were just like, well, it's so obvious what's going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I don't know. I think, I think, honestly, like having driven through rural America for so much of the last year, I think that like made me a little more anxious. I don't know. Yeah. Could be. (laughs) Um, But I also think it's because, I don't know. I don't know if this is to our credit or or against it. You know, 538, The Economist, they don't have, like, a candidate-driven model. I think 538 does have an accounting for, like, a scandal. But our model is, like, almost the entire opposite, right? Is we go through and we learn about each of the candidates and, like, write about who they are and what, what their deal is, and then we apply the polling. And maybe that makes us more conservative it shouldn't but it maybe. be
1: well I, I think there's probably with us too i think that you know as neutral as we try to be in our, our analysis i think our loyalties probably come through a lot anyway if some of the emails we've gotten are any indication um and i think i think there is kind of a uh i know for me at least there's sort of like a i I put like try to put like an enthusiasm damper on myself if that Mm. makes sense right where it's like um and and just because of my political loyalties that's going to harm democrats in in most cases
0: uh yes i guess that makes sense um so before we dive into any of the specific races are there any top like national level things we're watching I, like i guess I'm, I'm trying to think like what would it take for a massive reassessment where like you and i have to like get on an emergency call in a couple of weeks and we're like oh my god we have to shift all of these races to the right or to the left
1: i i mean there's i think like i mean there's very obvious ridiculous things right like uh you know <laughs> donald trump going to jail um
0: I don't, like, I don't actually going? know that that would make me shift any individual race, though. Like, if uh, Trump went to jail.
1: I I guess it's something I could see affecting the polls, and depending on how it affects the polls, I can maybe see that affecting the race. Okay. I, I'll, I'll say this. Like, a major national disaster, if a hurricane tears through the southeast, you know, between now and election day, which is hurricane season, mm. that would be a problem because that would also probably coincide with higher gas prices and lots of other things. Mm. Um, you know... Joe, I mean, Joe Biden happen- causes happening. hurricanes, yeah. Um, but Joe Biden also has the button that makes the gas prices go down. So he has to keep pushing. <laughs> and the and hurricanes go up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a
1: perfect balance. <laughs> um,
0: you see a war starting?
1: Yeah. Oh, okay, you're okay. asking?
0: Yeah, like... I am. I get. Yeah, I, I guess I'm. I'm. Do you think like, what if Joe Biden's approval rating jumped ten points in the next month? would that make you yeah
1: yes i would think so but i also think that would probably have to coincide with some other crazy
0: thing happening okay is there i'm trying to think of like something that could reasonably happen like what if ukraine just like wins outright in the next month does that matter probably not
1: probably not no americans don't care about foreign policy
0: wow (laughs) um i mean okay what i guess congress is kind of done now i don't know i'm just thinking like what could they were queuing up the gay marriage vote for a hot minute and like maybe like lindsey graham's thing could have shifted a couple things like he tried to pass that abortion
1: but it seems like it's going to be very yeah any major sort of like Again, like, I, I, I'm not fully convinced that legislation like the Inflation Reduction Act and um, before that the Infrastructure Bill have had, like, a major effect just because those are a little more, like, esoteric. Mm. Um, but if it is something like a a vote on gay marriage, a vote on abortion rights, um, I think that would definitely have some kind of an effect uh, because it's it's just way easier to reduce to, you know... A black and white issue and, and people will vote and i mean that's well. i put it this way a supreme court ruling that uh <laughs> you know limits or takes away a right that americans have been enjoying for 50 plus years that could shift the state of
0: the race <laughs> that would be what i wonder what right would be next just like a surprise like the supreme I mean, court's like Miranda we're back rights,
1: guess I what rights, <laughs> be, Um why right, you know right right to public counsel Interesting, um, I I you know, I that, yeah. I was being facetious yes. kind of, um. But like I mean, like a a Supreme Court decision like severely curtailing gay rights, I could see it. like I, that could have an effect.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, do you think m- moving on? Do you think there's like a national story of this midterm without talking about like any state specifically? Like people talk a lot about Trump's endorsements, or we talked about mm-hmm. abortion rights. I don't know. Like, what's the issue this year?
1: Well, I think that's the, I think that's one thing that has kind of made this midterm uh, peculiar is that I don't know that there is necessarily one sort of clear defined issue, right? I think in 2006, it was absolutely Iraq and the war on terror. I think in like 2010 and 2014, it was like Ob- Obamacare and Obama's sort of like economic policies were large. 2018, it was just the existence of Donald Trump basically, and then I think in 2022, you know, it seemed like it was going to be about inflation and gas prices, and now it seems like it might be about abortion rights and, and, and Dobbs, um, the Dobbs decision. Uh, I think that has maybe, maybe just because we haven't seen the effects, obviously, there have been lots of, not lots of, there have been a couple of congressional special elections where Democrats have overperformed, and most people are crediting that, crediting that to dobbs decision right Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um you know suburbanites mostly who are upset about it you know who may excuse me just cracked my jaw who may have been inclined to vote for republicans for economic issues are now for social issues voting for democrats instead
0: (laughs) yes i i get that i i also think i mean i think trump's endorsements uh our kind of the national story too is i think republicans are doing unusually poor in many races because trump's endorsees are doing poorly. <laughs>
1: yeah, can, candidate quality. Yes, yes, i think that is certainly a fair uh, thing to point out.
0: This this election could be could have gone way differently if Mitch McConnell had hand picked all of the candidates. Yes. Uh in in that it would be better for republicans. Mm-hmm um okay let's let's dive into the individual races so let's let's talk about the races that you the listener should be watching these are the races you need to pay the most attention to in order to stay on top of what could happen over the course of the next couple months Um, if you're going to pay attention to nothing else pay attention to these races from my perspective mike's welcome to disagree i think the bare minimum is that there are three races to watch. And my order is probably Nevada, then Georgia, then Pennsylvania. You want to throw in any other races there? Or you want to disagree with my order?
1: <laughs> no, I, I think that's a correct order. I would... It it doesn't seem quite as close as these three yet. I, I think you could tack on Arizona as number four.
0: Okay. Well, we let's talk about Arizona as well. Mm-hmm. So, Nevada. Why... Why do I think that this is the, if you're going to pay attention to literally just one race, why do I think it's Nevada? I think it's because you have two different stories. I think it is just way more competitive on the ground. And unlike Georgia, Nevada has been trending like to the middle, whereas Georgia has been trending towards the Democrats. And I think it's just like if you're telling like a narrative, the Nevada narrative is much more interesting uh, from a perspective of what the democratic party could become is like nevada and georgia may be on the verge of like going very different directions um i also just think nevada is way undercovered compared to georgia
1: the we matter state as john ralston likes to call it Oh. i I would agree and i I think a big reason that is because georgia was like the big not shocking but it was the big oh my god i can't believe this finally happened flip and in 2020 right and then of course you had the two the two senate elections that literally decided control of the senate um that and so that's why so much attention has been paid there um but yeah i agree you know nevada it is uh a lot of working class voters a lot of latino voters those are both constituencies that have moved away from democrats recently although there was a i believe it was a new york times poll recently that showed that um the shift of latino voters to the right is probably may not be as pronounced as many people think it is yeah um yeah and also it's it's at the risk of being kind of mean i also think it's kind of the story of like two train wreck might be harsh but two dysfunctional state parties as well
0: right mm. you mm. had
1: nevada which was you know was very that their democrats were very reliant on the reed machine um he had Ma, Ma, max reed excuse me harry reed has now passed away the party has kind of been taken seized by essentially Bernie Sanders-esque Democrats, right? Um, and most of the elected Democrats in Nevada are not really in that sort of uh, wing of the party. Right. And the Republican Party has nominated sort of lots of far-right people to various offices. I believe their Secretary of State candidate is like a full-on election denier, which is not, unfortunately, does not necessarily make him unique among Secretary of State candidates throughout the country this year. Um, but in a state as close as Nevada, it probably matches a little bit more.
0: Yeah. The, another reason I think Nevada is like a sleeper race. A <laughs> sleeper is like a toss-up race could be. But like like five thirty eight thinks Nevada is less competitive than Georgia. And I think most people think that. Uh-huh. The reason I think it is a sleeper is we talked just a few minutes ago about like Trump's endorsees and how like how much of a problem they are is like Laxalt may be one of the stronger <laughs> Non-incumbent yeah. endorsees by Trump in terms of name recognition, and yeah, I get he's like a dumbass. Like I 100% <laughs> get that, but he, like, was a ter- he was elected by this state before. Right. He is at least a very competent and like presentable dumbass, whereas uh-huh. like Herschel Walker or Mehmet Oz have uh, sorry, Doctor Oz have not gone to lengths to make themselves particularly like competent dumbasses.
1: Yeah. Well, and he's you know he's not a celebrity candidate, right? Herschel Walker and Dr. Oz, and to some extent J.D. Vance, are all celebrity candidates, Um, whereas Adam Laxalt kind of, you know, worked his, you know, really worked his way up. He just kind of was elected. I believe the only office he's been elected to has been Attorney General of Nevada. Um, But, you know, he, yeah, he's actually served in office. He um, is the heir to a political, uh, political dynasty because i think it was really just paul laxalt's the only real significant laxalt other than him but, well
0: his father is also i guess he's two dynasties well that's true <laughs>
1: that is true um
0: um yeah but, i go on i
1: was gonna say like laxalts in nevada are like bushes in texas you know in people are that- gonna recognize the name yeah, Did, didn't work out for George P. Bush this year. But. I was gonna
0: say, in that they're less popular than they used to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, I you wanna you wanna talk about Georgia? You're like a Georgia. You're my Georgia guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, big Georgia guy. Um, so Georgia. Yeah, obviously we talked about, um, you know, sort of the big, not shocking but sort of significant flip in 2020, both those Senate seats determined Senate. Uh, control Raphael Warnock is running to win a six-year term when he won in 2021 that was just to uh, serve out the rest of Johnny Isaacson's term Johnny Isaacson had resigned because of health issues Um, so this race is interesting I I think it's really kind of it's kind of becoming a little bit of like a proof of concept but it's becoming like a can we do it again race for Democrats right Mm. it's like we prevailed by very slow margins in georgia in 2020 and 2021 can we do it again and it's also i think um where republicans have hurt themselves the most in terms of the nominee right herschel walker um oz i'm probably personally not a fan of his but like he knows he knows how to like sound good on tv right (laughs) herschel walker doesn't know how to good sound good anywhere you know yeah he has said lots of things about like you know, bad air and good air and, and not made a whole lot of sense when he talked. He literally said it was yesterday, so he finally agreed to a debate with Warnock, and he literally said, like, Warnock is, like, smarter than me, and he will try to make me look dumb. Like, he <laughs> flat out said that Raphael Warnock is smarter than me, and, like, I don't know as much as he does about these issues. Um, and yet, he's still pulling very close to him. Um, this race is, of course... And it's also interesting, too, because... Um, I think the, the historical significance of someone like Raphael Warnock, um, who is of course black and who is the pastor at Martin Luther King Jr.'s old church, representing you know a state that was a part of the Confederacy, should not be lost on anybody. And I think also kind of leads to some people surprised that Warnock won, right? You know, and I think there's an idea too. It's like Georgia's like a pretty big state with a lot of electoral votes. So if if Republican, if excuse me, if Democrats can kind of you know turn Atlanta into boston south right like a city that kind of like helps dictate the political climate of the rest of the state then that kind of sets them up well in future elections especially as they lose ground in places like michigan and wisconsin or whatever mm. um also interesting is that um there have been there was an article it was either today or yesterday in politico that was talking about how actually the difficulty republicans have had running against rafael warnock because he actually is kind of a much better candidate and actually, John Neely Kennedy, the senator from Louisiana, who's a Republican, like was quoted in the story, and he said, he was like, I will not say a bad thing about Raphael Warnock. He was like, hmm. I don't agree with him, but he is smart and he is nice. I will say good things about Herschel Walker. I will not say bad things about Raphael Warnock. Um, so interesting in that regard. Also interesting because there is a runoff, a runoff law in Georgia. So if neither Warnock nor Walker or anybody else is running reaches 50% of the vote, then it goes into a runoff. Um, and we could very well end up in a situation where, once again, this race decides control of the Senate, and it's we don't know the answer
0: till January. <laughs> that may give me an aneurysm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I mean, all, all the stuff you said earlier about just how poor the candidate Walker is, I, it, should, it should be very strongly noted that this race is probably more likely than not to be picked up by Republicans if they had nominated almost anyone else. Mm-hmm. I the fact that warnock i mean we, we have it as one of our only two toss-ups i think if it had been almost any other republican candidate except walker we would have it as a lean republican race at least mm-hmm. um herschel walker is just a bad bad candidate mm-hmm. um yeah I just I, I think that the headwinds for Democrats in Georgia are less they're going in the right direction in the long run and I guess that's another reason why I put Nevada as like something more to watch um you, you have to tell two different stories of the Democratic Party and ideally they both work out independently but it seems like they won't I don't know
1: yeah well I, I think too it's like if you look at if if Democrats lose and if Warnock loses in Georgia, right, you can easily spin it to say, "Well, look, Georgia was um, a a not a reach, but it's like Democrats did well in twenty twenty, so they were they kind of overperformed in Georgia, right? That helped uh, sort of bring Warnock over the line, and then just kind of reverted to the mean at the end. If uh, Catherine Cortez Massa loses in Nevada, then you can say, okay, Democrats are like actively losing ground now,
0: yeah. right? Yeah,
1: like th- this is now a bit of like an emergency, because a state that had, again, all of the margins were very close that had to consistently blue for a very long time has now gone red.
0: Yeah, and it's more working class voters and uneducated yes. voters in Nevada, uh-huh. which hmm, which also makes me nervous. Let's see. So, I I put down Pennsylvania as my last of the three, which is not to say that it is i think there are races that are more competitive than the pennsylvania senate race uh we have it as lean democrat Uh um i think there are (laughs) i think it is closer to a likely democrat than a toss-up right now
1: i actually disagree but go okay
0: okay (laughs) um i think the reason you should be watching it is i think it's the third most important race (laughs) i don't know it it i'm i'm curious to hear your disagreement on this, but it feels like the the story of that race is so much more interesting than the story of, it feels like it gets much more publicity than the Georgia or Nevada races, right? And I don't know, Fetterman and Oz are such larger than life characters. And I think the Democratic, here's what I'll say, because I, I wrote the Wisconsin article, was the last one I wrote. And I also talked about this in that one, is Democrats have put up like progressive candidates in the Midwest in both Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and kind of sort of Ohio. And I am very curious to see if this strategy works.
1: That's that's why it's one to watch It's because John Fetterman is kind of running with the, in some ways, like the, the Bernie Sanders playbook in a way, where he thinks that his sort of like progressive message, which includes also bits of economic protectionism, that that can resonate with working class voters mm. um you know voters in western pennsylvania and, and Pennsylvania, if you will to use a somewhat derogatory term to define the rest of the state um
0: and you know, like
1: basically the like the idea of running um uh this this guy who wears cargo shorts all over the place and yet is also had endorsed bernie sanders is kind of like testing out a concept that people have been arguing about for the past six years pretty much yeah um also, I think one of the reasons why it's it's people are watching because it's like and it's the most competitive open seat as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. It's it's you know you you give like a slight advantage to, to incumbents in, in most of these states, but like in Pennsylvania, it's it's truly up in the air because it, it's open. You know, they are running to replace a Republican. The reason why I disagree with you saying it's closer to likely than to toss up is just because um, there have been some polls that have shown Oz creeping a little bit closer to Fetterman. Hmm. Um, and also, Oz has been buying a lot more ad space recently. Apparently, his ad operation has finally kicked into gear, um, and it's kind of drowning out Federman's a little bit now. And I also think, and I think we've talked about this a bit in the past, but it's like I do think the stroke thing of John Federman—he had a stroke mm. um, slightly like, right? a little bit before the primary. Yeah. Um, I think it's hurt him a little bit because I I think it's probably limited his public appearances a little bit. Um, Oz has challenged him to like something like four or five debates, which is absurd, but. Um, you know he's he, and he's been able to say well Fetterman is clearly too ill to debate so he's too ill to be senator they are going to debate eventually. Yes, um, they've and, agreed and to one think...
0: debate right before the election.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it'll be interesting to see how Fetterman performs. Um, I think the the hope in the Fetterman campaign is that because they've basically been like you're a doctor and you're mocking me for getting sick like this doesn't feel very doctorly of you, which is true. Um, I think that um they they hope it's gonna work we'll see if it does work um but yeah it's it's a uh it's certainly an interesting race either way
0: i i haven't seen a poll in months that has had oz in the lead and i realize there have no. now been a couple where fetterman is up by just like f- five points or so right yeah but it's been i mean it's it's been a long time <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess my point is there are some people who are acting like this race is already over, and I don't think it is. No, it is not.
0: That is that right. is not what likely means. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, um, yeah, do, do you want to talk about Arizona here? Do you think people should be – you brought it up. Do you think people should be watching that one too?
1: I mean, I think they should if only because, like Georgia, it is a state that Democrats flipped in 2020 for the first time in quite a long time. Um, it's also another special. Well, it's it's the follow up to another special election. Um, believe it or not, if John McCain were still alive, this would be he would still this would be the seat he is holding. Right. Um, uh, Mark Kelly won the last essentially two years of the term in twenty twenty, defeated Martha McSally. Um, this is a, I, I think this is probably interesting to watch because it is maybe. Uh, we get to see like Peter Thiel in action or in action as it were. (laughs) Um, The Republican nominee is Blake Masters who is more or less Peter Thiel's protege. Peter Thiel, of course, the Republican mega-donor kind of who co-founded PayPal. Um, He has some very interesting ideas about democracy and whether or not we should have democracy and whether or not we should have (laughs) freedom and whether or not maybe we should have like a monarch or something. (laughs) I don't know that he's expressly endorsed a monarch, but some people around him have. Um, And he funded a lot of Masters's campaign in the primary, and he's kind of not done a lot since. And that's caused some tension between he and Mitch McConnell. Um, and I think it's worth watching just because I, I don't want people to get too comfortable. I don't want Democrats to get too comfortable when it comes to Arizona, right? Yeah. Um, I think yeah. Kelly is rightly favored at the moment um, because Masters has not run a great campaign thus far. I mean, he was going around saying that we should privatize Social Security and like also make contraception illegal and then all of a sudden when it became clear that Dobbs was going to become a problem for Republicans, he took all the abortion stuff off his website, um, that apparently he manages by himself. Um, and cut, (laughs) Hey, there's no shame in that. (laughs) And cut kind of a strange ad about how much he likes kids with, I think all of his kids, but it's a little weird. Um, and I, 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 think of these four races, I think that Democrats are probably have the best chance in Arizona. Um, but again I, it's it's yeah. still you know it, it is a race that could end up determining you know if if that could end up determining the balance of the senate. It,
0: I don't I I don't know that I I agree with you on that second to last point. So it is one of the only two races we have as lean democratic. This Arizona and Pennsylvania. I think Arizona will be closer than Pennsylvania. Interesting. I, I think it'd be pretty hard I don't know. I feel like it'd be pretty hard not to be. I don't I don't know.
1: Well, I'll say this. I think we know the result in Arizona before we know it in Pennsylvania. If recent elections are any indication.
0: Well, that could be. <laughs> um, hmm. Yes. I agree. Keep an eye on, on Arizona. If you've got time to look at another state, yeah, it should be Arizona. Um, well, perfect. We'll be right back to talk about what we will be watching that you don't need to watch after a quick (laughs) commercial break. Isn't that a sell? That's why you should stick around to hear about that. (laughs) The Post Writer is primarily self-funded by its owners and it costs hundreds of dollars per year to keep the site online. The money we raise and contribute ourselves allows us to pursue stories, projects, and interests that are important
1: to us while making them completely free to everyone online with minimal advertisements.
0: We do, however, rely on contributions from readers, followers, and listeners like you to stay sustainable and go above and beyond. Every additional dollar we raise helps us do things like launch new podcasts, write more content, pursue larger projects, and engage more with current and future readers. If you're inclined to support us, you can go to the slash donate
1: to find out how to support the site and our projects financially. Thank you for your support and for contributing to the work we do.
0: And we're back. So let's move into what you do not need to watch, but the races that Michael and I will be keeping an eye on because things could change quickly in these States. These are the States that I would put these as the most likely to merit a ratings change in the coming month. Uh, you know, maybe the situation on the ground shifts. Uh, that's why we're watching them. So you don't need to, uh, we can, we can kind of go back and back and forth on these, uh, any state in particular that you're watching, Mike, that you think we may need to change?
1: Yeah, I think um, Ohio, which I believe we currently have is lean Republican, or we have Wait, as like, 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 likely. likely. Um So Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. Ohio, of course, once like the quintessential swing state, has moved pretty significantly to the right in recent election cycles. Um, this is another open seat, which is being contested by Tim Ryan, who's a I would say a longtime congressman. Um, from, I think, kind of like the Cleveland area, I believe, is where his seat is. Not, like, Cleveland specifically, but Northeast Ohio. Um, and J.D. Vance, who another Peter Thiel friend who also wrote Hillbilly Elegy. Um, and he's the one who has said things like, we need an American Caesar and all of that. Um, he also says he does not care what happens in the Ukraine. Ohio has a pretty, a relatively significant Ukrainian-American population. So Ryan's actually led in a lot of early polls, and um, A big reason to that is probably because the Ohio primary was, how a Republican primary, excuse me, was pretty, like, bruising. There were really three major candidates, and and Vance kind of squeaked it out. Um, So he, you know, he was at a disadvantage when it came to kind of that buzz and and getting a campaign up and off the ground. He also hasn't run a very strong campaign. He hasn't been in Ohio for a a lot of it. Yeah. Um, You know, he was at a conference in Israel, and he's kind of been in other states and stuff. Um, Whereas Tim Ryan has been, like, working, right? Like people like you and me a little bit like are like, oh Ohio's dumb, but Tim Ryan's like not so fast my friend. Yeah. Um he's cut lots of sort of like um I would call them Republican baiting commercials where he's like throwing footballs at TVs to say to defund the police and <laughs> talking about like uh how China's a big threat and all of that. Um so I think that's um th- that's part of what makes it interesting is that this is one place where I think Democrats could overperform. I don't necessarily think that they will. Um, I, I think that Vance is still rightly favored by a lot of people. But I think, I, I think that the gulf in candidate quality is actually maybe the largest in this state. Um, Interesting. I, you, could, you could argue Georgia, but I, I just think that Tim Ryan is Ohio through and through. Um, you really cannot question his credentials. And J.D. Vance was not only, like, you know, lived in, like, I think, Connecticut and, like, New York. Or I don't know about New York, but I think Connecticut. He, he went to Yale Law School. Um, he definitely was in Silicon Valley for a long time. You know, he definitely invested in companies that like offshore American jobs. And also, if you read the Hillbillyology, he basically calls – He it, it's basically him complaining about – like rural American voters, right? He yeah. calls the, he literally calls them losers, um, and his solution is we should actually stop giving them welfare, basically. Um, so, um, do I expect voters to like dive that deep into his history? Probably not. No. Again, this other thing too: is hillbillyology. I've said this before. The audience for that book was not hillbillies. The audience for that book was coastal elites who wanted to try and understand the kinds of people who voted for Donald Trump, anyway.
0: Um, I I am less sold. I think likely still feels about right to me. No, and I think I, it would take a lot for me to shift Ohio. I'd, I I'd have agree. to see Tim Ryan take like a a pretty serious polling lead. Because I think the polls are wrong. Because they have been wrong in Ohio for a, l- a couple cycles now.
1: Yeah, that's fair. No, I, I'm not saying that I think the polls are really correct. But I think it will be a closer race than most people it'll be closer than it should be let me put it that way
0: okay i'll i'll go next this the number one state i'm actually watching uh after those four initially uh counter counter, counter counterintuitively i'm watching the utah senate race i think that's a bit of a sleeper race um and we haven't talked a lot about it other than in the article uh i wrote about it but basically the democratic party voted to not put up a candidate and to fall behind Evan McMullen, who's an independent uh, running in Utah, which is a fascinating strategy that really delights me as a political scientist. Um, and against incumbent Senator Mike Lee, who is like Utah is a Republican state, but Mike Lee is like over the top. <laughs> it's uh-huh. like this state does elect like Mitt Romney at the same time it elects Mike Lee. It's, and you have a lot of educated voters in Utah, and it's not a very big state, and you have a giant metro area that leads Democratic. There, There's the makings of, like, a Nevada 2.0 in Utah. Well, not really, because of the educated, but like a Colorado 2.0 or something. And the polling in this race has got to be, its like, it's hard. Like, Lee definitely has a lead in all the polls. But I don't even know how you poll this race because Democrats don't have a candidate and they'll presumably fall behind to McMullen. A lot of places have this as a safe Republican race, but I I, I don't know. I'm keeping an eye on it.
1: It's worth noting, too, that Mike Lee actually endorsed Evan McMullen for president in 2016 <laughs> um, when he ran as an independent against Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Um, and Evan That's McMullen awkward. did... did did uh quite well in utah i mean compared to everywhere else yeah um, yeah i uh yeah i i we have it as likely i think likely is about right i think mike lee is the favorite but i do think something weird could happen mcmullen did release one poll that showed him the lead of course and it's an internal poll you should always yeah take that with many grains of salt mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean mike lee's gotten a little kind of uh a little, a little over-enthusiastic. <laughs> Didn't he, he compare Trump to some, like, Mormon prophet or something, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, which it, I, it, I...
0: the, the Mormons aren't known for being particularly, like, chill with that sort of thing. And right, Trump, yeah. like, I, one of my favorite articles I wrote in the last year was, like, about Mormon voters in the age of Trump. Do check that out. Um, Mormon voters do not like Trump at all. I think the Republican Party is making... I'm trying to think of like a comparison but and like maybe Michigan is the closest I can think of is like Democrats are like really sleeping. We're really sleeping on Michigan. And then it like win against them by surprise. I don't know. I think down the line, Utah could surprise people.
1: Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, it certainly could.
0: Um, all right. Take it away. What you got?
1: So um, it's keeping with the Midwestern theme for me. Another race I'm, I'm watching, but I'm not watching it that closely, is Wisconsin, Mm. um, which uh, is um, being contested by Ron Johnson, the incumbent Republican senator, and the current Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. Um, This is, like, maybe... (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, Barnes is kind of running in an opposite uh, fashion from Tim Ryan in that he is not trying to, like, appeal to you know sort of like what you would stereotype as like midwestern blue-collar voters you know he's pretty 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 progressive of course milwaukee and madison very progressive cities in wisconsin um er, there were some early polls that showed barnes leading johnson um that lead has more or less diminished now um and a lot of people think that's an effect of just johnson did not get, have time to get like a tax out about mandela barnes yet and now apparently he's doing a lot of advertising about that is it uh is it possible that mandela barnes wins sure yeah um but i think that we have this as Lenar and rightfully so just because um wisconsin has been moving to the right and uh ron johnson an incumbent and yes they did elect tammy baldwin in 2018 but you know you look at the obama midterms and they went far to the right excuse me during those so um i think that johnson absolutely or excuse me barnes absolutely can win this race um and you know if he has like a few more strong polls like yeah maybe, maybe this does move to a toss-up um i don't think it's very likely at the moment but but it certainly i could see happening especially because ron johnson has really really sort of gone crazy um, yeah he's he's, he's made cr- some, he is
0: crazy he's made some <laughs>
1: ridiculous statements in the past couple years even more so than likely so um
0: it's it's interesting when i so i wrote the wisconsin piece like i said was the last one i wrote in our ratings um and by the time i finished writing it i almost wanted to message you mike and be like i actually think this should be a likely republican race i think Mm. that this race is being uh too generously called for democrats and i think you have a like the polling error in wisconsin is so egregious in 2020 and 2016 i mean it was like they thought joe biden was going to win that race by like nine percent or eight (laughs) percent and he won it by like half a percent um i don't and i i don't know barnes doesn't get a lot of a lot of love it's like everyone kind of has glomped on to john fetterman as this icon uh mandela barnes he strikes me as a candidate that i would like more but i feel like he i feel like he's he's struggling and i think his numbers are soft
1: he he feels like a little bit of a
0: sacrificial lamb for
1: democrats yes
0: um, yeah
1: it, there's i feel like they're it, you definitely get a sense that they're not prioritizing this race yeah i um. i almost think that there are probably some people who think that democrats have a better chance in ohio than they do in wisconsin which I don't necessarily think is true, but mm. I think that there are probably some people who think that at the moment.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I think lean, lean Republican feels right. I could definitely see. I, I could definitely like, see no, yeah. you and I going different ways on this. Where you're like, no, Lars, it's gonna be a toss-up, and I'm like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, I, I could also see it going likely. Now that you say it, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, okay, good, good one. I. I don't know. I don't really know that I'm keeping a super precise eye on any other race. I mean, I'm always watching the Colorado Senate race because that's where I vote, and Republicans, it's one of the few states where they haven't put up a complete nut job. In fact, uh, Democrats failed to get the Republicans to nominate a, read my article if you want more information on that. But, like, Joe O'Day is just, like, a pretty standard boilerplate, republican um and you know colorado is definitely a blue state and their incumbent senator michael bennett has been ahead in all of the polls but Mm -hmm. it could also be a situation like uh like gary peters in michigan actually reminds me a lot of michael bennett in that he was up for re-election in 2020 and gary peters is like the most boring man in the senate like you literally could not pick him out of the crowd and he's maybe right one step below him is michael bennett (laughs) and they're both just in states that democrats seem to have assumed that they're fine with and good in
1: yeah i i I think i think people are overrating joe day's chances just because he said i don't think trump should be running 2024 sure um and people are like ah i bet this is probably someone who like you know colorado suburbanites could get behind but I do think the state has has moved too far to the left to the point where I I just don't think if he were like a popular former governor or like a state senator with some name recognition, he, he's not, he's, yeah, I think he's a retired police officer. Um, then maybe I could see it happening, but yeah, I also think it'll probably be closer. I think than most people expect. Um, but it's, we have it as, do we, we have it as likely.
0: Yes. Likely feels right. I'm just watching. Yeah. I, I, Part of me wonders if we're going to do... So in 2020, what we did at the presidential level is we originally had Virginia as likely, and as it got close to election day, we were like, this is a safe democratic race. And I wonder if we do that with Colorado is the other reason I'm watching it. Could be. Um, I don't know. You watching anything else?
1: I I put this down as watching um, more so out of fascination than out of like expecting things to change but you never know it's alaska right Mm. um very interesting state because they have this new top four um primary and then uh the the tundra primary some people are trying to call it Um, (laughs) let's make it trend as opposed to louisiana's jungle primary um where uh four candidates the the top four finishers in the primary regardless of party advance to the general election and then it's a ranked choice ballot after that. So if a candidate does not get 50% of the vote, then the person who comes in fourth is eliminated. Whoever um, the, the people who ranked those the fourth place finisher first, their votes are redistributed to their second choice and so on, so fourth to a winner is declared.
0: I'm very glad you got to describe that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we rate for parties and not for candidates, right? And we have Alaska as safe Republican. Alaska's next senator will almost certainly be a Republican. The question is, which Republican will it be? Mm -hmm. Will it be incumbent Senator Lisa Murkowski, who is very moderate, has openly sort of like said, has basically threatened to leave the Republican Party? um, Or will it be Kelly Tishabaka, who is a former Trump administration official, um, who's running as the anti-Murkowski because she thinks he's too liberal? Um, And then there's um of course uh, a third <laughs> candidate the democrat buzz kelly Ch- pat ches there's one democrat pat Chesbro, and there is technically a fourth a third republican named buzz kelly um who is just like a machinist and there are some people who are like he may have got come in fourth place just because people saw signs that said kelly for alaska which were for kelly to chewbacca and they got late got a confused oh. vote for him instead oh. he's actually dropped out of the race um but he, his name will still appear on the ballot because he didn't do it within the deadline that's required for them to replace it, and he actually did that intentionally. And he did it, and he, I believe, I don't know if he directly said it, but he did it because he doesn't want his voters to rank him first instead of Kelly Tishabaka, right? Because um, if, if, cause if you, what what Republicans in Alaska are doing right now is they're blaming rank choice voting for their loss in the special election for the at-large house seat sure in which um there were three candidates one democrat mary peltola two republicans sarah palin and nick begich there was a fourth al gross he dropped out um and his name was not replaced um peltola got out to an early league because she's the only democrat and then when begich's votes were uh, reapportioned she ended up winning um Ranked choice is not the—it re- it, it is and is not the reason why Democrats won that race. Um, if you kind of, like, play this out logically, it's like, well, more Republicans ranked Palin first than Bigot, so she probably would have won Alaska, like a Republican primary, and she also probably would have lost to Beltola in the general election. Whatever. Um, and, what, and, and so Murkowski won 45% of the primary vote, which is a lot, mm. especially in a race with, like, a bajillion candidates i think she's in pretty good position to win this race but it's still close enough that you kind of have to wonder what's going to happen um the very likely scenario is that she will probably end up getting more democratic first place votes than the actual democrat (laughs) yes Um, yeah and then democrat will probably come in third and pretty much everybody who votes for pat jesborough will then probably rank murkowski second um murkowski will probably end up having more democratic votes than republican votes when all things are said and done Mm. um but yeah, interesting to watch because like, that system makes it a little more volatile, a little more opaque and difficult to kind of suss out. So th- that's why I'm watching it because it's so unique and we don't really know what's going to happen.
0: It's interesting. <laughs> um, cool. Is there any other state you're keeping an eye on? or Not really. Okay. Well, then we'll treat our, our listeners to one last category. Is there anything that we really, really encourage you not to watch no matter what? cable news tells you i was kind of gonna say alaska because i think it is going to be a republican seat no matter what but you you know it is interesting to watch fine you can watch it mike you're allowed
1: mm-hmm. we not um, gonna notes
0: till two weeks after the election who wins oh, right <laughs> um i i sort of think you could put colorado in this category too i think mm-hmm. like washington has been getting yeah uh, Tiffany Smiley's candidacy is Patty o- Murray won fifty two percent of the primary. The top two primaries, she won fifty two percent of it Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> I don't like I I. It's like I understand what Republicans are like trying to do, but like I just don't see. Yeah, I, obviously there's going to be more voters in the general election than the primary, but I, I it's it seems like it's pretty wishful thinking.
0: <laughs> it's like you know what state really you know loves Republicans, Washington. Said, yeah. said no one ever like I've, i it's just it's yeah. not a thing um i don't know any anything else that you're just like done with people talking about i can almost feel that way about north carolina but i am watching it a little
1: yeah i'm also kind of watching a little too the polls have been a little closer than i thought but i think ted <laughs> budd is probably the best republican nominee in an open in a like in play open seat this year which makes mm. it like one of three three choices but yeah um he's like a very sort of like normal republican choice um but i think sherry beasley is a good candidate as well but i, I just, i've I, been
0: fooled too many times yes yes um I, he should have i have my one regret in that race his campaign slogan should have been like ted But he's your bud yeah <laughs> I um do we mention? Do we do we evoke Florida? Should we speak of it?
1: I, Florida. I mean, some people are speaking of it. I think Dems is a good candidate, but Florida's is just too Republican at this point. I think Rubio will underperform Ron DeSantis, but I think he'll still end up winning. Um. Uh, New Hampshire new hampshire had chris sununu run i think absolutely pay attention to this but he did not yeah instead uh republicans nominated dan bulduk who at his uh victory (laughs) night celebration for the primary took to the stage in like a like star-spangled polo and held like a plastic shield with like arrows sticking out of it oh yeah being like we we took our arrows i think we have this as likely uh democrat i think just new hampshire's like a you know it's a weird state it's a quirky state it's it's very white, very rural. It um, has a, like a libertarian streak, but uh, bolduck is just. I think you know he also has our like openly said. I think in debates, like there is a microchip in the COVID vaccine. <laughs> Which again, if you pick a list of states that that will sound like reasonable, in it might be New Hampshire. But <laughs> um, you know, there's some interesting folks who live there. But at the same time, I I, I just don't see it happening
0: just uh, we, we've been throwing around likely a lot what likely means for listeners is it means we believe it has an 85 to 99 percent chance of going for something and that feels right in both colorado and new hampshire to me mm-hmm. for democrats and that feels right for republicans in ohio and florida and north carolina and utah yes <laughs> like a 99 percent chance is likely we only break it safe if it, if, it, if it is like this will not only happen like point one percent of the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Any other any other state you you are not paying attention to?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, there are loads. of Well, paying yes. Attention to, but uh, I don't think anyone else is paying attention to Oklahoma or California or um Alabama. So
0: yeah, I know I'm not. <laughs> um. Well, let's wrap up the episode with our In Our Lifetime for this week, Mike. Uh we actually spoke about this earlier, but in the news the past couple of weeks, uh Senator Tammy Baldwin's efforts to codify the right to gay marriage in federal legislation. In our lifetime will we see gay marriage codified at the federal level.
1: Um yes.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: Yeah. I All think right. that <laughs> I think if if Democrats because it sounds like they think they can get ten Republicans'
0: vote for it. Yeah, they're pretty. They've at least got like five, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if if you end up with like a fifty-five seat majority, which is feasible at some point, maybe not in the near future, but somewhere down the line in our lifetimes, then yeah. I think you, yeah, I think it can happen. It's I, may, maybe maybe I'm exposing myself as a as a resident of a liberal bubble, but it feels like an issue that has sort of um it's not an issue that republicans emphasize anymore right if it's become a liability for them
0: if you're mitch mcconnell why aren't you like please put this up for a vote i will (laughs) i will give you any vote you want please well i I think this
1: but i but that's the thing though is like i think mitch mcconnell wouldn't vote against it
0: he would
1: he he would not he and he wouldn't wouldn't actively yeah yeah um but yeah, he w- he wouldn't actively whip against it. Um, the big thing is that Doctor Oz actually is is pro gay marriage, like he has said. That right. He supports it, like on the campaign trail, which has upset some Republicans. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, bud. Like yeah. this is, um, you know, kind of a. Uh, it's just the way things are going. I mean, even Matt Gates is pro gay marriage. Like,
0: well, <laughs> he's a role model to us all. Right. But we will end with that. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, be sure to reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, you can find and follow us at the Postwriter or email us at contact at com. We like to hear from you. Come chat with us. Tell us what you think the most important races are. Tell us what ratings you'd change or send us some questions about how we issue ratings and we'll try to get to them on a future episode politics express is a post writer podcast brought to you by thepostwriter.com. you can check out the stuff we work on things we've written our other podcasts and more over there thank you mike for joining and of course go senate
1: <laughs> go senate <laughs>